What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Alrighty, hello everybody. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Let's go hot tonight. And we're going to go hot by touching the hot subject that maybe some Christian channels have touched on. I don't know. I don't watch a whole lot of Christian YouTube. I do watch uh, John Harris and a couple others, but I watch a lot of pop culture stuff on YouTube, kind of as like escape and history stuff, kind of as my escapism and stuff like that. But one thing that is very prominent is the uh, manosphere. And I think it's kind of a false gospel-ish movement that targets a lot of the same target demographic of evangelical dark web. Evangelical dark web skews younger and skews males. So a lot of people may uh, knowingly or unwittingly be influenced by the manosphere. Some of the aspects being good, some of it being not so good and we're going to confront sort of the not so good cd elements of that in tonight's uh live stream anthony has an article written which i imagine we'll go through it's not published yet but i imagine we can go through a little bit of what's in that tonight and we're also going to talk about you know sort of the broader andrew tate debate uh some of the tristan tate debate as well because i want to touch on the uh argument of moral culpability when it comes to peddling vice. I want to kind of touch on that as well. Uh, And I I like what Michael Knowles has had to say about it as well. So uh, we're going to do a jam packed sort of show tonight, but you have a couple names. Obviously I brought up uh, Andrew Tate and Tristan Tate. You brought up in your article. So the two two names, two names. So I do talk about Andrew Tate specifically, uh, you have uh, Rallo Tomasi, who, I mean, that's a pseudonym or, or, you know, a nickname and all, a moniker. And then you have Pearly Things, uh, who's kind of like the female, the female Andrew Tate, but probably not as articulate, which is why I, I mentioned her name, but I don't necessarily use her stuff because she's not necessarily the most original or articulate on her own issues. But uh, Rallo Tomasi is kind of known as, is, I mean, he, He's dubbed the rational male, and that's his book. And he has like rule, like rules. And I even, you know, as far as manosphere figures go, he's up there as as one of the manosphere types and pickup artists. And he actually has, uh, I guess, I found a debate between him and Ruslan KD. So that I thought that was an interesting uh, comparison. How'd that debate go? Did you watch enough of that? I watched the entire thing at like 1.5 or something like that. So, I mean, I thought Ruslan did well. Really? So overall, I thought well. I thought he did well at defending a Christian worldview. 
it's interesting that he can have a Christian worldview when you're dealing with very not Christian material. But when you're dealing with Christian material, he goes a little woke. Uh, Bart Barber on C- CBS or whatever. No, Bart Barber on CBS went blue and on. Never go full blue and on. So, uh, so one of the things that, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about the manosphere, uh, last week, uh, when we talked about dating and, uh, Bible bash was on and we talked about sort of, you know, dating conventions between men and women, which the manosphere has definitely impacted a lot of that conversation. And Pearl Davis has definitely impacted a lot of that conversation. Although I believe I booked that interview before I was fascinated with the Pearl Davis conversation. But uh, one of the things that we have talked about also is the Jordan Peterson fascination. And he's also kind of seen as like a titan of the manosphere. Yeah, I mean, Uh, I would like I would say that like the three names I'd list as the, you know, the big three. The triumvirate. I guess, and is Peterson would be the first. Joe Rogan is the second. Andrew Tate is the third. And Andrew Tate's, I guess, segment of the Manosphere is basically what's called red pilled, which is kind of like the. I mean, it is a direct play on the Matrix, red pill, blue pill dynamic. So the red, and you'll actually hear like Andrew Tate even during like the Tucker Carlson interview, he's talking about the Matrix, and he is u- directly using red pill as a red pill from neo himself being neo in the matrix so yeah, that's the I, dynamic I've seen clips using. from the interview with tucker carlson but what does appear to be the case is that a- andrew tate is definitely misrepresenting himself in the uh tucker carlson interview uh i've seen enough clips people are saying this is the most viewed interview of all time and it's like hold your horses like twitter views on videos are definitely fake yeah, like I if mean, you see yeah. a vi- if you see a video in passing, it'll count it as a view. Yeah, because the video will autoplay. So those aren't all real views. Doesn't mean there's not a lot of views to them, but you just got to know that when people are saying, "Oh, this is the most viewed interview of all time," no, it's not because Twitter views are fake. Uh, they're even fake on my videos uh, that I post. Uh, this live stream might get a couple hundred views or whatever, but you know, it's not like I don't know how many people actively watch live streams on Twitter because. I certainly do not. But uh, that being said, it did seem to have an impact. A lot of conservatives have started weighing in on the uh, Andrew Tate situation. A lot of conservatives have actually started saying, no, he's a bad guy and kind of doing the disavow. Um, Stephen Wolf tweeted something satirical as like, you know, Andrew Tate's not a Christian, so we shouldn't be a jerk to, for Christ. He tweeted something satirical like that, uh, kind of in response and... to people going after uh Andrew Tate, but I guess people didn't get that he was being satirical. Oh, oh I was going to guess that. Oh, I guess people didn't think he was joking. You know, I mean, he tweet he did a follow up tweet that that was uh, uh, sati- that people weren't recognizing satire. Well, but he has he has difficulty with some of the follow up tweets. I take it. <laughs> <laughs> very true, uh, very true. So the first thing I wanted to do was uh, this. Uh, actually, we should just uh, come out and do some a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, don't forget to smash that like button because that really helps with the magical YouTube algorithms during a live stream. But the best thing you can do is subscribe to the channel or podcast if you are new because new subscriptions are actually some of the biggest drivers of video growth. That is the biggest driver of video growth uh, that I am aware of. 
uh, on YouTube. Uh, I don't know how Rumble algorithms work. I know that if you mirror content on the Rumble, it does not reward that in the algorithm. But uh, it, it subscription growth is what drives video growth. That is my uh, impression of how all this works. So uh, based on experience. So first thing I will watch is this uh, video by Milk Barn. Milk Bar TV, which is an Australian thing, if you don't understand what a milk bar is. Uh, this channel put out a compilation of uh, Andrew Tate and uh, in his interview with Tucker Carlson, kind of pointing out why he's lying and what exactly the charges are. I think it's a pretty fascinating video uh, put out by uh, Milk Bar. And it very, I, I think, very adequately frames the Andrew Tate situation. So we're going to play this video and i want to let you know if you are in the comment section feel free to interact because this is a very conversational uh live stream so we're here for the conversations uh that matter <laughs> uh anyway let's roll tape charged with that's a really good question i'm charged with being the head of an organized criminal group which is in charge of recruiting girls to make TikTok videos. They face charges which include human trafficking, rape, and forming a criminal gang to sexually exploit OnlyFans is the best hustle in the world. Are they accusing you of using violence or? No. They're accusing me of using the lover boy method, coercing them by being nice. I don't mention webcam until after I've had sex with the girl. If you're on dates and you're trying to mention it and shit, it just doesn't work. It puts them off. I do that that's disgusting i'm not a whore uh it's just not gonna work you continue as normal no mention of webcam you fuck the girl after you fuck the girl you do the phd test so yeah on cobertate.com i have my phd program and that is uh phd is a pimp and hose degree that i'm um clever, and that, clever. That, that, that teaches basically how i got girls how i met girls how I got girls to like me, how I got girls to fall in love with me to work on webcam for me. Oh, and you're always working. Why don't you work for me so we spend more time together? Work for you doing what? So I'll have a webcam business. Oh, I don't want to do that. So, okay, I know you don't want to do that, but listen, come, let's have a meeting. Let's just talk about it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it, fine. But let me explain it to you properly. In fact, I'll bring one of the girls who works for me. Your bottom bitch is the one who does the selling. You don't do the selling. The girl has to hear it from a girl. And this is where your bottom bitch has to be trained. That's why I said it's so important to have a good, first girl so i want to pause right there uh obviously this is framed as he's a pimp and as you'll see later in this video he has a nice acronym for what pimping means uh and because this is the type of guy he is a lot of people you know don't realize that he made his money through pornography that is how he made his money he didn't make his money by being a you know kickboxer. He made his money being a pimp. And he'll kind of explain later on in the video how well, he's explaining lucrative. His well, he's explaining the recruitment process, which again, so far we haven't necessarily seen human trafficking. We've just seen recruitment, which I mean, obviously it does I mean it it's so logical and how how much it makes sense as far as I guess how he's going about doing it. He lets someone else he lets a woman make the sales pitch. He doesn't make the sales. So it, I mean, it does make sense. Well, as... think about the uh, Jeffrey Epstein situation. Do you know how those girls came to Jeffrey Epstein? It was through the other girls. They pyramid. They created like a pyramid scheme of underage women, underage girls 
that would pimp each other out. And it was basically, do you want to make money? You just got to give weird guys massages at this mansion in, uh, you know, West Palm beach. No, I think the plane trips come later. This was on the Netflix documentary and it's kind of interesting. Like one of the girls was like adamant that she wasn't guilty for pimping out other girls. It's like, she should have been charged. That's just my opinion. But yeah, but she wouldn't have been, she she, would have been sex trafficking people to no one. That is true. Uh, but that, that is what was going on with the Jeffrey Epstein thing is like, these girls were pimping each other out. So that that's what went on. Uh, but even with Andrew Tate, it doesn't actually seem like that's actually what's going on with him, uh, because he's actually doing all the recruiting himself. And then he has the, you know, the head pimp or his right hand Lieutenant. That's not Tristan. Uh, that, you know, that the chief ho is the one who makes the final sales pitch. But at the same time, he'll, I mean, again, I, when I saw this the first time, I likened it. If you've ever seen like always sunny in Philadelphia, this is the dentist system that he uses. He demonstrates his value. He woos the woman. Um, then, then it's E cause it's an acronym for his name. E is engaged physically. That's when he's, you know, he bangs the woman and he's about to go into how he, I guess, nurtures their dependency. And this is how he recruits them. And then he's going to even go into how he, he neglects them emotionally. So it's actually, it's actually quite amazing how close that is to a, a widespread joke on like a classic joke on always sunny in Philadelphia. I mean, it is that, but it's also, you know, even older than that. Yeah. So, and, uh, same, uh, Riza says he's bragged about committing all kinds of crimes, but, I, and I'm supposed to believe that he's not committing other crimes that he doesn't brag about. And, and that that's true. You see what he brags about. What is he not telling us? How you many, cho- how many children he has? He, he actually ha- has an undisclosed amount of children. He doesn't tell, he doesn't actually reveal the number of how many children he has around the world. <laughs> Interesting. Because that's what I did. That was my, my MO was fine girls, make them love me and make them work for me. This girl's like, okay, well, I'll try it. Put both girls on camera together the first day so the new girl can sit there and just sit with the other girl and get drunk. Give him a bottle of vodka. Last night that I worked for him, Andrew bought me like five bottles of wine. So I got completely drunk because I've never done webcam work. So I was very, very nervous. And that's how I got rich. So that teaches everything I know from start to finish about uh, not only getting girls, not only obtaining them, but retaining them. Because that's a completely different game as well. And over time, I just build up this big, this big little em- empire of webcam girls. At one, one point, I had four locations, 75 girls working for me. I'd take around half of the money, around 50%. You take 50%. Around 50%. They thought they were on 50%. And I said that the disparity is because of taxes. He would just pay me a flat fee of 15 pounds an hour. We got to the point where we had these guys falling in love with my models, serious, big time in love, right? Sending crazy money. And they were convinced they were gonna meet the chick. This is almost where I kind of felt bad because they were like, can we meet? I've sent you $200,000. When you look at the money that I was actually bringing in, it just doesn't even scratch the surface. I had these guys selling their houses, life savings, loans, all of it to me, give me it all. I was all about trying to get paid. Like my whole, I used sex as a tool to make women love me so they'd obey me and live in my house to make me money. That, that's what I wanted. So I was a pimp in that sense. Were there any other instances where there was physical abuse? I saw him smack girls with a belt. Some ideas. So 
I want to pause right here because you see the uh, mentality that he has. His mentality is that, you know, he's not at all uh, morally culpable for his actions. Well, I mean, it's very, I, I guess, sociopathic. He doesn't care that, like, all these simps are basically blowing their life savings, which. And we're going to talk about Chris and Tate weighing in on that in a second. So we're going to talk more about that morality in a second with the, the section on Tristan and Tate that I have. And I think some numbers I did come across, I think he was making like 600 grand a month on this business. So he got, I mean, again, he got, I, I heard 400,000 when at its height. Yeah. But and I mean, he, that's how he had those Bugattis and all that other stuff. Well, and he, and he basically passed it off as you can do this too. It's like, no, we're not all just going to make money on pornography. Not everyone's even capable of doing that. And uh, he sort of did it during a time when, you know, is transitioning from magazines and movies in the back corner to HD video interactive uh, webcam stuff and OnlyFans. So he kind of did it during a transition, a more transitional period, technologically speaking, Uh and the other thing is he would actually, I think one thing I came across was he would actually be the guy typing on the keyboard. Cause I guess the way it is, and since it is interactive and it's like tokens and stuff, simps pay to pay for tokens. They exchange real money for tokens, the tokens, imaginary money. Yeah. The tokens they pay to the women. And if they meant, they might mention tokens in the video, but those tokens then have a Tristan dollar. Tate mentions like pretend imaginary ice cream cones or something like that. But he would be like in the room. He might be like early on. He might be in the room um, with the women and he'll be the one typing on the keyboard and the women will have like a, a pretend keyboard, which they might like pretend to type. And that and that's how they did it. He made his it's like him and Tristan made their girlfriends pretty much models. And that was the origin of this business. Yeah, it's like, it's a facade about, you know, obviously he's very public about how he became rich, but he sells the idea of you can do the same exact thing he did. But that's not really how it, that's not really how, you know, making money in entrepreneurism works, if you want to call this entrepreneurism. Yeah, because, you know, timing matters and uh, first mover advantage, so to speak, matters. And the other thing is he's very public about flaunting his money. Uh, there is a you know, a Bible verse about, I think there's a Bible verse about money made quickly, you know, falls away quickly and is, you know, dries up quickly, but money earned over time steadily uh, is what, you know, lasts. I believe that's in the book of Proverbs. Uh, so it's sort of a biblical principle that you see. Uh, and then obviously there's just no remorse about it. He's very much preying on people who are are simps they are committing de degeneracy themselves but their mentality is i don't do that my friends wouldn't do that my sons wouldn't do that but you're doing it and we're going to make money off of that so it, it it that mentality is also uh very much wrong i mean as there's, well there's also maybe a little bit of a joy there you know i got this guy I got this guy selling his whole life savings for this. Like, you know, you're kind of like he's getting gratification from how, how invested the simps are becoming in his business. Yeah. So it, it, it's a sad situation, but it does get a little worse from here. Run out my ideas. 
That's right, lock the door, you You knew I was going to beat the out of you. If you behaved, I wouldn't have to hit you, would I? You don't. Get out. You can't stay in there forever. Once again, this is an IQ test, right? Because yes. any guy who's bad with women would look at it and go, takes a woman beater. I say it. Look at the camera. This is what happens you don't listen. Look at the camera. Why are you getting hit? Why are you getting beaten? You don't listen. You. Do as I say. Any man who's actually a G, who's been around a little bit, would look at the video and go, man, she loves, she wants that. The media machine, they'd call up ex-girlfriends and say, if you have anything bad to say about Andrew, we can pay you $50,000 for the story. And they tried very hard. They didn't find any evidence of anything. And I had gone to the shower, I came back and I noticed he was, like, I saw him raping her. And, um... People say, why did you leave Romania? And I explain my five reasons. One of them is the Me Too era. They go, oh, well, you're a rapist. I say, no, I'm not a fucking rapist. But I like the idea of being able to just say, to, to do what I want. I like being free. And of course, they don't go out. They're not allowed out. You stay in the house. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not particularly... So I want to pause right here. They do have uh, Jordan Peterson clips in this, which I think is interesting because I guess he adds to kind of weigh in on this uh catch this comment right here uh the ma same riza riza says again the manosphere in general is just further the just further the cause of feminism by fighting to remove all social responsibilities men have to society thus completing feminism i'm not entirely sure i agree with it i think it's a counterfeit solution to feminism i mean i, I that's would... kind of my take i don't think it fulfills feminism i think it's the counter fit solution to it i mean i might just say it's basically a rather than elevating man man men and masculinity it's more about i guess just pursue self so i would say it is i guess somewhat you know about the me in like that has that feminism has but i would probably more emphasize that it's about okay we can't change the system so here's how you play the system here's the the, the rules have changed, so here's how you can win. And I think that's more what the manosphere is about. They're not so, about elevating the standard. They're just about, you know, okay, the, the environment's bad, so we're just going to play to the environment. So that pat that clip right there had to do with uh, Andrew Tate. You're so sort of seeing a violent side of him. There, there exists a violent side, violent towards women. Well, it's the side. pimp side. It's the pimp side. It's not Andrew Tate, which I think does factor into, uh, you know, he was talking about, oh, these women are offered 50 grand to say bad things about me is like how he's framing it. But at the same time, Andrew Tate has a lot more than 50 grand uh, to not only pay silence, but he there's also a violent history there that does seem to indicate that if you were to go out of line. If you were to speak out, there could be reprisals because this guy operates in the streets. Many of these women who he, whom he recruits also operate on the street level. They operate like Stringer Bells and not, uh, what, what's the dude's name in The Wire? Darksdale. The, the Senator. Clay Davis? I think so. I've... Yeah, they, they operate in that world and 
you know, Clay Davis operates in the higher world, whereas, you know, Stringer Bell operates in thug world and he can't really cross that gap. So th there's a mentality shift there or a uh, lack of, men you know, the transcendent mentality doesn't exist. No, I mean, there's a saying in the, I want to say the first episode of Boardwalk Empire, you can't be half a gangster. And Tate is full full on gangster he can't you can't he, be he called himself a g in that clip yeah so he he's a full-on g what would you say impressed by what he's done on the sex business front it it seems to me a bit on the pimpy side let's say i get called a pimp a lot but i and the reason i use the term is because i don't see it as a negative term i see it as positively inspirational and motivating person. She has to respect you and love you and want to work with you. And that's done through positive pimp, positively inspirational and motivating person. I'm gonna send you a book. It's okay. a guy called Pimp and Ken, who's a street pimp in the nineties. And he wrote a book, uh, 50 laws of the game. And one of the laws of the game is a hoe without instruction is headed for destruction. They're accusing me of using the lover boy method, coercing them by being nice. Let me read you then what you have said about what you have done. Sure. You have said, my job was to meet a girl, go on a few dates, sleep with her, get her to fall in love with me to the point where she'd do anything I say and then get her on webcam so we, we could become rich together. I don't think that's what I personally said. I think that's, that's exactly what no, you said on your website. That's, that's, no, I've never said that. So yeah, on corporatetape.com, I have my PhD program. The, I think the belief is that you were charged with human trafficking. Yeah, that's human trafficking because what you do is you force a girl to work against her will for financial gain. That's human trafficking and they're justification for this is that girls do TikTok. Some girls I know who they found who say they're not victims have TikTok accounts. Uh, PhD is a pimp and hose degree that I'm um, clever. That... Uh, Scarlett Russell case has caught the attention. Okay, so that is the what are you charging? Uh, that is the uh, milk bar TV clip. I do want to give them credit once again, because uh, that's a good compilation. I would say and it's like Andrew Tate's like, that's not what I said. And it's like literally showing the web archive of his website, CobraTate.com. Uh, was it a .com? I don't know. But don't go there because I believe that sounds like a pornographic website. Um, so definitely do not go there. Uh, but Cobra Tate is literally his screen name on like most things. Although there is sort of an archive Twitter account that ha has been making the rounds was... Uh, his old Twitter account, which has a different name to it um, than what he goes by now. Uh, starts with a W or something. But the ad the admissions of being a pimp, which he calls a positively inspirational, motivating person, right? Did I catch yeah. that? Or pimp. See, I mean, you know, it's, it's I, all fun and games when you have an acronym attached to it. And you have a funny accent as well. So, you know, he talks with the funny accent, then he has the uh, pimp acronym, and then that kind of makes it interesting. And how he defines human trafficking, uh, well, he does kind of seem guilty of his the definition in that clip that he, in that clip where he defined human trafficking. It seems like he actually is guilty of that. Yeah, I mean, it's like yes and no. I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not necessarily sympathetic to women that, you know, whore around. I mean, again, he's not recruiting like, you know, this, the sweet, 
the sweet girl, he's recruiting a uh, he's recruiting probably thirst traps using Instagram because I think he talks about how he uses Instagram messaging to recruit the women. So you're probably recruiting them because they're laying thirst traps. And so, I mean, this, this is, you know, promiscuity. And then you're, so all you're doing is just convincing them to be, to go from, I guess, harlots that give it away for free to those that do it for money. That's basically the transition you're making. Yeah. I mean, I definitely see that. Um, but at the same time, you know, I kind of not super concerned with how valid the charges are. I, I just kind of don't really care at this point. I, I feel like I'm at the point where, hey, he's violated God's law. So if you can get him on a technicality, thumbs up. Oh, no, I'm not ahead. losing a, an hour or a minute of sleep over this. I got plenty of other problems with my life. His problems are not my problems. You know, that kind of mentality. I'll, again, he doesn't care about anyone else. He's in it for his bag. He's in it for his money and his clout. So the fact that so many people think, oh, they're going after him and they equate that to the system's going after him because he's such a threat to the system. He's not a threat to the system at all. He made his money and brags about making his money through degeneracy. What he is is showing that degeneracy leads to wealth and long-term wealth, except if he goes to jail for, you know, in Romania, then his long-term wealth is eradicated. So I, I want to highlight this uh, tweet by Michael Knowles. Let me actually zoom in here. Um, uh, Libs. It's good that Romania arrested Tate, Andrew Tate. He coerced women into porn. Libertarians. It's bad Romania arrested Andrew Tate. The women consented to porn. Conservatives. It's good Romania arrested T Andrew Tate. He's a pornographer. So the ultimate message here being porn should be illegal. And we we should be glad and celebratory, in fact, of Andrew Tate getting arrested. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, if your argument, especially, I don't know if Knowles is on, on the same page as Walsh when it comes to porn pornography should be illegal but you know if pornography should be illegal that, that, that is a growing movement on the right you're starting to see a lot more on the right embrace that and then uh getting some pushback guys uh from same riza guys the romanian government are totally a bunch of woke libcucks you guys i swear and i don't necessarily disagree with that I don't think you might you might be right about again that. i have no sympathy for the women because they consented to it yeah, I agree. I'm not sure. They were insane. Coercion. Uh, he's a pimp. That is true. Did they get themselves into the pimping? Sure. But if they get... Oh, okay. You're being sarcastic. That comment was sarcastic. My apologies. Um, because that is one of the... Well, that, uh, that was his claim. That was his claim, though, because uh, I guess he said that NATO has an outsized presence in Romania. So, I mean... Yeah, I, I do believe that Romania is, in fact, a NATO country for some odd reason. I mean, if you look at what country that country borders. Ukraine and Moldova and Hungary. Um, now, what's interesting is, like, you, you'd expect them to set up shop in, like, Ukraine or Czech Republic. Those are, like, the, you know, the sluttiest countries in Europe. Yeah, am I wrong about that? I wouldn't know. Never been to Europe. Well, I saw a list of like the most popular websites in the world. 
And obviously, if you're doing the most popular websites in the world, there's going to be some, you know, shady material on that list. What I can tell you. And the shady material, the websites were check. What I can tell you Weird. is that. Because it did the, it had a flag of the country next to them of like who owned it. And it's like. I know, can tell you that. Checks. Yeah, you know, OnlyFans had a Ukrainian billionaire invest in it. And that's, you know, so there might be a connection there that a Ukrainian invested in only OnlyFans and turned it more into a adult content site versus now, what it was before. Well, I think Patreon Patreon used to be sort of an adult content site, but then they cracked down. They on went that. legitimate. Yeah, they went legitimate. So I, I do think that that was their story because when the OnlyFans simpocalypse happened, this was about last year, I think. This was like they're like, oh, now they're doing what Patreon did, was kind of like the uh, the whole mentality that you we were seeing on the internet at the time. Um, but yeah, same as uh, who was being sarcastic in the last comment said Romania has a weak government, which is why human traffickers like to congregate there. And and one of the pushbacks is that hey, they're woke, and I don't even I don't think Romania is in the European Union. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I don't know. They're on the, they're on I, the edges, so I'm not. I would have thought they were, but no, you'd be surprised. Like the Serbia, I don't think is in the EU. Hungary is, but they're like the bad boys in the EU and NATO for that matter, because they don't want to. They're you know, against you. they 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 hate Hungary. Doesn't not is anti-Ukraine. They're also pro-population, which is it, it's weird because Hungary. This is where Christian nationalism is really based because Hungary, by the statistics, is not a model Christian country. Like their birth rates aren't great. Uh, their replaced uh, their religious rates aren't really all that great either. But they have an outsized Christian influence in culture and government. And then guess who was going after Hungary's Viktor Orban? Um, Michael O'Fallon. Go figure, because he's. You know, he wants to paint Orban as a China puppet. But if I were hungry, like, I'm not going to blame a a nation for hedging their bets with China when America's in such steep decline. No, especially when every... I'm not going to blame a nation for doing that. Especially since every nation in Europe is already doing that. I mean, France, France yeah, and it, Chi yeah. China, both... Or France and Italy were both... Uh, well, Michael O'Fallon, you know, goes after Christians. Yeah. So like, that's... That's why he's pointing out Victor Orban instead of France was invested, Emmanuel like, Macron. France was involved in, first name. in, in uh, Wuhan, and Italy had direct flights uh, going to Wuhan. So it's like they're all invested. So, and then uh, Michael Knowles tweeted out this image, a, a map of uh, Europe with uh, Romania having a Giga Chad yeah. head on it. I, I like the image, so it's why I, want, I bookmark it for the highlight. Uh, I do have some other tweets to show. So let's talk about the Tristan Tate uh, tweet. Uh, this one's a little racy, but we're going to cover it anyway. Um, he says, Tristan Tate, who's Andrew Tate's brother, in case that was not obvious or previously known. Oh, wait. Andrew, oh, wait. Andrew Costas is all this talk of countries. Makes me want to say Uganda forever. Uh, and then another comment, uh, Hungary's birth rates have been climbing since Orban's administration started the 30% higher than where, th where they were in 2014. 
And I guess that's the thing is like how low they were, like where Hungary was versus where they're on trajectory to being. But it's like that is an outsized Christian influence in that country. Yes. And again, they are kicking way beyond their coverage. They are punching way above their weight class in that country. And you love to see it. And that. again, just on, on the Hungary thing, because I wrote an article about way back on, on Orban's policies. And again, if you want to change or you can't just implement natalism policies, like because Hungary has no taxes for women that have like four children. You can't just do that. You actually have to change the underlying culture. Then you have to add the incentive. So you actually have to make people want to procreate. Um, I mean, China has reduced their one child policy and yes, their birth rates have gone up a little bit, but it's still pretty pitiful. Well, because they have coffin size apartments and, you know, a lot in a growing middle class, it's more career focused. So these things are going to happen. So Tristan Tate's tweets out, and this is last week, or this is July 16th. So earlier this week, I'm a free market capitalist. And I absolutely hated this tweet, which is why we're talking about it. Um, he says, I am a free market capitalist with this in mind. I will state that these women do nothing wrong. The people buying them imaginary ice cream are retarded. So question mark. My friends and my sons won't be watching them, but somebody is. The customers are the problem with society, not them. I mean, and I got major issues is, with that. Mentality. This is how drug dealers justify their actions. You're no I'm different than a heroin. A You're no different than a heroin dealer. And it's like, I don't, if there were no heroin dealers, would there be any heroin addicts? No. If, we're, if there are zero, Heroin dealers are their heroin. All oh, the pharma bros selling their their pills. Those are heroin dealers. Well, license or unlicensed? Wait, but if if there are no prostitutes, are there Johns? So that's where I see the moral culpability is that the supplier of vice is the one more morally responsible for the partaking of vice because they create the temptation. The prostitute on the street corner is creating the temptation that might otherwise not exist. The sinful desire to fornicate might exist, but the temptation might not, you know, first of all, they're the temptation. The temptation is an external phenomenon, not an internal one. So when someone sees that that temptation that's when they might succumb to weakness when they otherwise might not. The person who is supplying the vice is supplying the temptation. You know, I think has the greater moral culpability. Not to say that the other person buying the vice, the person buying drugs has moral culpability in that decision. The person buying heroin has moral culpability. But. I don't think they have as much as the dealer, the person profiting from it, the person supplying the temptation, creating the temptation where otherwise none would exist. So those are my more, you know, my thoughts on that. I think that's fairly standard biblical worldview stuff. Uh, but, but, but it's also, I mean, it's the same thing with, I mean, you can relate this entire thing to the sexual revolution where 
because women decided to sleep around a lot more, now everyone's sleeping around a lot more. And one of the things I came across in the research is basically, you know, if you go back 100 years ago to people that were born in the 1910s, you know, the idea that being a virgin on your wedding day was like, you know, 50% for guys, 70% for women. Nowadays, so that means anything higher than a zero is considered a high body count, as the kids would say. And nowadays, four for a woman, four is considered low. Or you say high body count, but I'm pretty sure body count was a thing when we were in high school. Like that was the term used then. But <laughs> so try to sound hip. Ten yeah, you're trying to sound hip, but it's like that term's like 10 years old <laughs> at least. The the idea is if you go back to people born 100 years ago, anything higher than a zero was considered high. And you were like, and and now it's four is considered low. So, I mean, that's a drastic change in just 100 years. Andrew Costa has an interesting comment. I actually run into Muslims that in, in real life that argue, I hate to do it. I hate do, to do it, but I'll supply it. Attitude. So I, I think... Uh, yeah, that's fairly, and I think and then... that's why Tate is a Muslim and not a Christian. Because I mean, I think I looked on his like, you know, his because he doesn't have to repent if he's a Muslim. Exactly. If he's a Muslim, he just has to put his faith in their the Muslim God, who doesn't necessarily require repentance, but is a very capricious God, and you are saved if Allah wills it. I mean. That's basically how salvation in Islam works. Yeah, I mean, and again, I think before he was donating to like the Russian or, or Romanian Orthodox Church. So I guess that was him. Like, I don't know if it's just atoning. I mean, giving your. I thought Tristan Tate uh, views himself as Orthodox. Yeah, I think they both did. But he like Andrew Tate went from Orthodox to Orthodox, like apostate Orthodox to. Uh, yeah, Muslim. I don't want to give. I don't want to unfairly characterize Eastern Orthodox based on. the. Yeah. I mean, he was basically just paying, Um, but this is something that I see is that Eastern Orthodox tend to have a very friendly relationship with Islam. Like the ortho bros on Twitter seem very friendly towards Islam. I think that's a very weird miscalculation. Um, So then there's this one tweet, uh, this other tweet that was from five uh, July 17th. The world knows I used to run a webcam website. I spoke about it in depth. Very popular business here in Romania with hundreds of studios in the capital alone. Uh, but I'll repeat this again. There, are zero, there is zero connection between these legal business activities and my current case. The current case alleges I formed a gang in 2021 to steal money from my friend's TikTok creator funds. So... If that's what he said, you got to believe him, right? Uh, Believe all men. So those are the tweets that I wanted to highlight on this. And again, this might be an Al Capone situation in that they're going to find them guilty on a technicality, but everyone's going to be thankful for it. The broader society is going to be thankful for it because you're getting some scumbags off the street. So that that's kind of my thought on this because he should go to the jail for being a pornographer. He should go to jail for that. So if they can get him on a technicality, then so be it. 
that those are my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the things I wrote in the article is, you know, uh, Tate has somewhat of a positive message on masculinity, and you see that a lot in like the Tucker Carlson interview. Because honestly, I've never listened. He's going to put his best foot forward. Yeah, but until that, then I'd never really experienced or experienced watched Andrew Tate in any sort of long form, and that was two and a half hours of. So I got a good taste. I, I didn't know who Andrew Tate was before last year. Apparently, he was the most Googled person last year in 2022 because everyone didn't know who he was. And now people are looking him up. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, it, but pretty much it, no amount of positive message on on masculinity can erase the fact that you're the world's most notorious pimp. And, you know, you can't you're peddling or you're peddling masculinity when at the same time previously you're you know well, it's like how girls. did you get how did you get to where you are, are at did you earn it through hard work no you earned it through sordid gain and he's trying to and that's not a role model that's just never going to be a role model and and i think that's why uh you're seeing elevated pushback I, I think the pushback came pretty late to be honest but better late than never i suppose uh same rizza commenting a lot tonight uh keep the comments coming we'll interact um a lot of people in the far right like islam now because they're anti uh homosexuality and transgenderism which is well, sort of true yeah i mean if they suspect you of being historically speaking christian nations made islam or uh homosexuality illegal before islam did i mean and i believe the ottomans or the turks one of the other one of them uh legalized it before any christian nation did well i mean you know it's it's i mean they they operate more on prison rules though so just bear that in yeah mind. i mean i spartan prison rules like i don't if you watch the ami horowitz video for prager you of you know, why you should support Israel because they're so pro-gay. Um, one of the things they he has in the video is like, a, you know, a homosexual basically talking about how he was violated by people that didn't like homosexuals. And I'll let you guys fill in the blanks on what I'm talking about. But that's that's, that's how they operate in, in the Middle East. They will do certain things to people they suspect of being gay. So it's more of a prison rule situation. This uh, and then Robert uh, points out this world's masculinity is far different than biblical masculinity, and again, well, that's kind of what highlights the Tates in general. Um, they are the counterfeit to a biblical masculinity because I think there's a couple things that are encompassed in biblical masculinity. One is labor. Uh, you see that in Genesis. Two, you know, Adam has a job in the garden. He is to work in the garden. He's not supposed to do nothing. And then Eve was created to help him. So labor is one. Accountability is another because God goes to Adam first. And we learn this in the creation account. So labor and accountability. And Andrew Tate has neither of those. He got his money through sordid gains, not labor. Masturbating on camera is not work. Uh, getting girls to do that is not work. It's not labor. It's sordid game. 
And there's no real sense of accountability to that. He, he doesn't care that people ruin their own lives because of what he did. He's just happy to have the money. And he brags about it. I mean, I might say that the world does, has a void of masculinity. I mean, I mean, this has commonly been called the gynocracy, but the idea is that there's a void and something is going to fill that void if nothing does. So some food for thought, I suppose. Uh, with that said, I think we should transition to some of the people that you wanted to talk about as well. I think we've covered the Tates pretty thoroughly. Uh, so you, you mentioned Rolo and then Pearly Things. I actually do have a tweet by Pearly Things. Uh, let me find that real quickly. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, here we go. So here's a uh, pearly things. Do you know the majority of HVM, which is their acronym? You'll see this acronym thrown around a lot in the manosphere. It stands for high value men cheat. So do you know the majority of high value men cheat? Yes. Do you know women? Do women know the the majority of high value men cheat? Yes. Is it useful for women going after those men to expect monogamy? But ah, uh, Pearl, you're giving them a pass. No, I'm not. I am just not blind. And that that's uh, Pearl Davis from a couple days ago, the 17th. So her mentality is that if you're a high value man, you're going to cheat. Yeah, Which, and that's, I mean, one of the things I actually put about, um, I write about that was the high value man are expected to cheat. I mean, and keep in mind, she's taking other people's stuff. I mean, Kevin Samuels. Uh, said that the high value man has like the privilege cheat privilege to cheat not because they should should cheat but because they have that option which again is logically true i mean if you're rich if you're handsome if you're successful you're gonna have women throwing themselves if you're criminal you. and that's you're criminal and you know you don't pay child support like <laughs> yeah, those those guys have women throwing themselves out at you as served um so i mean but We've we talked a lot about crime tonight. Uh, we we've made a reference to the Wire and Boardwalk Empire. Well, this is The Sopranos, where she's talking about women who get into relationships with high value men should expect to have that that man would have a gumar. I mean, she's that is what she's she, saying. I mean, she's basically saying high value man, high value problems, which actually she has said those exact words. But but I mean, there's a sense that yeah. Are they going to have more temptation? Yes. But if they truly are high value, then they wouldn't cheat. Like, I mean. And that that's exactly uh, the logical way to think about it. You know, high value men, high value husband material doesn't cheat. And there's another tweet by Pearl Davis that I'll pull up. I saw it earlier today, and it's just one of the most absurd, unbiblical things that I've heard. Um. So this is another tweet by Pearl Davis that's very much anti-biblical, by the way. Uh, she tweets, wives are not called to love their husbands. They're called to respect them. And that's just simply not true. I mean, it's true in one verse that wives are called to respect their husbands. But the idea that wives aren't called to love their husbands, that's simply not true. 
Sovereign Bra, who I've had a lot of positive things to say about Sovereign Bra, has said uh, and cited Titus 2, 4 through 5, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So that's from the ESV of Titus 4 through 5. I mean, and that complete and did this ratio? Yes. She he did indeed ratio pearly things for that. Yeah, it is very much a horrible misapplication of Ephesians 5 because I mean, because I understand the whole love versus respect dy dynamic. I mean, Emerson Egerich, uh was big in, in selling uh, love and respect his own book, which is like I can't remember whether I finished that book. OK, so you're familiar with the book, but it's basically the, your 90s. Yeah, anyone who's been married in the church is probably familiar. Yeah, with that. So the <laughs> idea is that the women are supposed to respect their husbands. The men are supposed to love them unconditionally. So based on Ephesians 5, 21, 20 through I don't, 28, I don't know what the end all verses are, but that's basically the dynamic but, but and that's what pearly things is trying to say but she doesn't know that she's going to get wrecked because she hasn't read all of scripture because she's a bad but Catholic. it doesn't yeah it's like you're only supposed to respect him you don't have to love him you just and have she's to not, respect and him. she's the bad kind of bad catholic she like there's a bad catholic that's actually probably saved and then there's a bad catholic that attends mass like once a month and doesn't know anything about christianity that that's Pearly things, but I mean, again, um, she's not going to say that. Hey, look, a high value woman, you know, she's expected, you know, she she is uh, entitled to cheat, right? Of course, she would never say that. She'd never say Kate Upton has the right to cheat, or or you know, Margaret Robbie has the right to cheat because you know she's apparently mid now. Um, that was one of the most absurd internet arguments. But yeah, she um, would never. And we talked about that last week. She would never say that these. <laughs> Like high value, high value, desirable, and sexually attractive women have the right to cheat. She would never argue that. I mean, you don't cheat on Justin Verlander, um, who uh, did very well pitching yesterday. By the way, um, it is sad that these uh, manosphere types get an audience. They say very true things, confident, confidently, and then get a pass to say a bunch of crap. And yeah, I think that's true. But you got to realize that women love confidence. Oh, keep in mind. Like that's, yep. that's one of the things that that's how he's able to do this lover boy method is through confidence. Oh, keep in mind. Sheer confidence. A lot of these people will do the respect and love card. It's just like, yeah, I wonder where they got that from. Oh, it's in this. It's in the Bible. Wow. Who would have thought? They're just reiter. They're just repackaging nuggets from scripture and then, you know, passing them off as their own. And that's pretty much a lot of where the good in the manosphere is that if you just read your Bible, you would get anything useful out of it. Like you don't need to read any of their books. Just read the only book that matters. So so you got an article that's written. You want me to pull it up or can you pull uh, it up? You can go ahead and do that. You got a bigger setup. Uh, all right. Give me a second. So go ahead and uh, let the audience know what it's about, what it's titled. So basically it's, I mean, it's right now it's red pill versus Christ pill, valuing the harm of uh, Rallo Tamazi and pearly things. Um, and we kind of just articulated some of the harm of pearly things. And that's just from this past week. Like she did the interview with Jason Whitlock. Oh, she, 
I believe last week or two weeks ago, she came out those, where uh, she sounded just like a grifter. She's just chasing. She wants to be popular and successful in media. Yeah, she wants. Like, that's literally, it's very shallow. She is a kiddie pool of depth in that interview. And they even kind of reflected on it on her shallowness the next day. Like, there's nothing more to it. And I was kind of stunned that it's like she just wants to be popular and successful in media. That, that like is it really is that really all there is to her? And and the answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, but and one of the things know. I open up with is just that this is a growing problem, and that's why part of the reason why I wanted to confront this is think of it this way: sixty three percent of men eighteen to thirty are single compared to 34% of women. So you have a, di a, a difference of 29%. And in 2019, it was 51% of, of uh, men 18 to 30 were si single. So you had a 12% increase from pre-COVID to 2022. So, so Pearly Things has 1.56 million subs. You have uh, Ro Rolo Tamazi, the rational male, has 214,000 subs. And he wrote a fresh and fit has 1.45 million subs and Kevin Samuels who's deceased yes, right one year or 1.75 million subs on YouTube so the movement or the idea is this market is growing for the manosphere and again I kind of uh, insert the other adjacent movements so some of their customers might be the incels the involuntary celibates as they're called basically guys that can't get laid even if they want it or if they want it to. Um, then you have MGTOW, which stands for men going their own way. Basically, this would probably, those people are probably going to be on the older side. So they might be like a divorced, a divorced dad. Um, that, that would be a MGTOW. And the other, and the third was. Okay. That's a new acronym for yeah. me. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen it, but I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. That's why. I and what's a Sigma male? I guess it's I don't know alpha. I don't, Does that mean like psychotic or I don't know. I just that one I I sociopathic or something or I, I, that one I'm not. I only used it. I see it a lot. I know I've seen it defined, but I forget what it means. I only used it once in the article as more of a little snark. And then the third one would be the passport bros, which are the guys that go to foreign countries to date international women or foreign women in those countries. So basically your US dollar goes farther overseas kind of thing. You turn into a high value. You man. turn into a high value man. Yeah, exactly. So so I uh, just want to remind everyone to smash the like button. That helps with the YouTube algorithms. Um, but anyway, this article is not published currently. It will be published tomorrow morning. Uh, so, you know, 721, 7 o'clock. And it'll be in the newsletter. So sign up for the newsletter so you can read it. Um, so you, you say that this is a growing problem. I mean, this you is have a 12% increase pre COVID to post COVID in single men single under men. 30, single men under 30, 12% increase and COVID major facilitator of that or lockdowns, really not COVID, but the lockdowns, we shouldn't give credit to COVID where the lockdowns were really the, uh, culprit. Um, this is an era when the average first marriage of a man is 30.4 years 
and 28.6 years for women, both of which are all-time highs for Americans and trending upwards. Yet the problem is not merely the age of marriage, but the formation of relationships that eventually lead to marriage. 63% of uh, men 18 to 30 are single compared to 34% of women, a difference of 29%. It sounds like these women are dating above that age range. I mean, that would so, be implied if it's 30.4 and 28.4. Although you also see these mid-20s teachers going after uh, high school boys. You also see, a, you're seeing a huge uptick in that. So... Uh, so you, you talk about the 12% increase, though it is natural for men in their 30s and thus outside the cohort to seek women younger and thus within the cohort. Does that really account for the 29% difference? Even if it did, the 30 to 40 year old men pursuing women under 30 reflects this so negative social trend of later marriages. The advent of dating apps rather than reverse trends in marital decline has created an, a hookup culture, and prolonged adolescence instead of marriage. The failure to form families directly correlates with the population collapse. Globally, mankind is struggling to repopulate above replacement, with global fertility being 2.3 as of 2021, according to the World Bank. In America, fertility stands at 1.64, meaning that America, America is below population replacement. But the trend is especially profound in East Asian nations that have the lowest birth rates in the world. So you're talking like Japan. So just for those that are struggling with math, two, you, since you have a father and a mother, two is even population replacement or even fertility is two. Two people create two people. So just so you know. So if you're at 1.64, that means for every two people, for father and mother, you're only producing like 1.6 children. So you're below replacing losing, you're losing population yeah. in the long run. So globally, it's at 2.3, which is barely above replacement. And it's very interesting because you should see that you should see uh, in the 20th century, we saw nations experience a 5x growth in the 20th century. That is biblical. And I mean that in proportionate uh, of numbers. So, you know, in the book of Exodus, when, or is it Genesis? Um, when the Hebrews are in Egypt, there's like 72 of them. And in 400 years, there's like hundreds of thousands of them. Which is mathematically possible if like each, every 50 years, the population grows 5x. Like you're going to get a substantial number with 5x growth in every 50 years in 400 years. So the math work checks out in Genesis and Exodus, just so we're clear. But that we saw that globally, where like these nations, these developing countries had massive population growths in the 20th century. And then all of a sudden, now that we've developed and now all these countries have birth control and uh all and abortion and all this other stuff they're you know the population rate is plummeting so one thing I, fertility rate is plummeting. which is why i mentioned that east asia is the worst like japan singapore singapore i think is one of the lowest in the world uh, taiwan is lower than china south korea is low so a lot of those asian countries are very low 
on their birth weights. And I don't quite know the explanation to that. I mean, communism might be one. I mean, maybe it's just they're very secular cultures, so they don't they're very secular and materialistic. I don't I don't quite know why I don't quite know why the Asian countries are very uh, low on fertility despite being more traditional in culture or certain elements of culture. Well, Japan has a very older population. I think that's one well, that's reason. because they didn't reproduce. Because they have tiny apartments. Yeah, you'd have a younger population. Tiny cars, tiny apartments, uh, big cities, though. Tokyo is huge. They don't have a homeless population. Like, they, they don't really have a homeless population that you see in the United States, interestingly enough. Um, but yeah, we're doing a lot of comparative uh, nation talk here. Um, so you have a section on black-pilled uh, uh, black on marriage. So yeah, As the institution they call themselves red-pilled, but I mean, really, when it comes to marriage, they are more or less black-pilled. And that, that seems to be the point you're trying to drive here. As the institution of marriage has been eroded since the 1960s, there is a growing disillusionment to the prospects of marriage, particularly among men who believe it to be a raw deal in which the legal deck is stacked against them. Marriage is likened to jumping out of a functioning functional airplane with a parachute with less than 50% success rate. The red pill community is familiar with the statistic in which 70% of divorces are initiated by women, 90% if if the woman is college educated and the and that the woman becomes the custodial parent 90% of the time, albeit mostly through settlement, which is unmentioned by the red pill, the red pill. So you're saying that during a divorce, yeah, child custody. a lot of times m men won't contest yeah, it. Or it, it just is settled. So it doesn't go to, it doesn't go to a court. It, it's I mean, out, out court. If, if you're, let's use Steven Crowder as an example. Like, I highly doubt that Steven Crowder is going to get custody over his kids because they're under three years old. Yeah. And I have a hard time believing that Steven Crowder is going to be able to handle that. So he can, I think he's fighting for full custody just because he wants to do go down and do battle. But there's a lot of situations like that where men shouldn't expect the full custody in that situation. Yeah, I mean, generally, generally when you file an, a contested divorce, you're probably fighting for everything. You're going to fight for everything, so you at least get some of the stuff that's more realistic. Yeah. Um, but it, it, there, there is a point in which, hey, these divorce courts really do shaft the dudes. Like, that that's true, but we got to we got to realize that, hey, it's more natural for women to live with the ch or mothers to nurture and then men to provide. That's just more of a natural dynamic. But uh, and I think women kind of realize that they can live with that and then get the child support on top of that, which, again, doesn't help the situation at all. Um, there's a reason why God hates divorce. Um, so you have this chart here instant, the chances of divorce after five years of marriage. So, uh, and you had a count indicator. Well, I mean, if you go up above that a little bit, I say that the red pill ignore the factors, which significantly decrease divorce 
and also significantly increase marital satisfaction. So basically, so I say that having this... having fewer sexual partners inc uh, leads to increased or superior marital outcomes. And basically, this is a study. Um, Institute of Family Studies had this one, and they also provide a couple other statistics. Statistics I used in this. Uh, so what it's age. showing here is, and this is an old, older study, although it's 2002 to 2013. So you got it like a 12, uh, 11 year span here, but the people who are virgins on their wedding have a sub 5% birth or divorce rate. And that's the most recent line on this line chart. Whereas like two previous partners is like the highest until you get to 10 plus. Yeah. So, I mean, it does, it does show that. I mean, again, it's, it's even, it's 5%. It get, jumps to 20 with just one. So, I mean, these chances of divorce. So that's about 30%, increase. by the way, the two partners is at 30%. And then after 10 partners, it gets up close to 35%. And that's the most recent data. I imagine that that might be a, a little bit higher. I mean, that chart was essentially used as like the intro for the main study, which is the study by the Wheatley Institute, which I mean, yes, is BYU, but you know. The Mormons. So you say a study by the Wheatley Institute released in 2023 found a favorable correlation between relationship satisfaction, sexual satisfaction, and emotional connection with marital couples with only one sexual partner, their spouse, than couples who had multiple sexual partners. Contrary to the world's perception, sexual inexperience leads to better marital outcomes. It's almost as if the biblical model for marriage works. Just keep in mind, the worldly argument is that you need to sleep around, learn what you like, learn what you don't like, and then settle down later. So that's the worldly model. That's the world. That's the world's message is that you need to engage in hookup culture. You need to sow your wild oats and then you can settle down. Okay. And then this is where you talk about Rolo Tamazi debating Ruslan on valuetainment. Yes. Which so they tried to offer Tucker Carlson like nine figures and ownership to join their network. I don't think he's accepted the deal, <laughs> but just yeah, they, I mean, they're, they are, big. they're huge. And I've never heard of them until that Tucker story happened. Uh, in, in truth, many detractors of Ruslan's apologetics for abstinence preceding marriage simply do not want to change their habit of premarital sex or otherwise curb their sinful desires. It is not supposed to be easy, especially in modern society, but it does yield the best statistical outcome. Rollo and Ruslan speak about the lost boys generation, but ultimately family gives purpose to the lives of men as both fathers and husbands. Have you seen that meme going around? Uh, like there's a New York times article that says like pickleball is how we cure male loneliness. No, I haven't seen that. And it's just been, completely roasted with uh you know more biblically based alternatives like retaking constantinople's the cure to male loneliness or uh sailing the sea with the boys is the cure to male loneliness because the original article is pickleball but it's like so it's just getting memed with very you know return to tradition sort of uh tropes and keep in mind someone like rallo tomasi he's actually married 
and has been married for like 26 plus years. Does he cheat? No. Monogamous, monogamously married for 26 okay. years. And he wants to basically sell or I guess bash marriage as an institution, despite the fact that divorce was lower or was worse when he was when he got married, like divorce actually was probably around 50% or over 50% when he got yeah, married. It has gone down, it's but the biggest, the biggest driver of the divorce rate increase or the biggest driver of divorce rates is uh, already previously married. So repeat offenders. Yeah. And then people not getting married at all. That would actually drive the divorce rate down because they're not getting married. Uh, and then you have this uh, body count promiscuity and gender is the next section. The state of the modern of modern women is daunting, even for a young Christian man, uh, the young Christian man who is ideally abstaining from premarital sex and pornography. Statistically, unmarried women skew heavily liberal and our society both promotes hookup culture and demeans chastity. The rel the red pill are often turned off from the prospects of marriage when women are more promiscuous than prior generations. They will claim 80% of women are chasing after 20% of men, which is statistically supported through an okay Cupid study. Now, one thing I'll add is that- Can you uh, elaborate on that study? So the study, I mean, the study basically down to like the 80-20 rule when it comes to women on, on okay Cupid, which isn't really one of the more popular ones. I did find a more recent study on Hinge because you're more used, about the hinge and upward. Hinge is probably the best as far as it's because it's one of the, the three biggest and it's more relationship geared. So 50% of all likes sent to women go to 25% of women. So that's male behavior. A quarter of the women are getting half the swipes. And then 50% of the likes to men go to 15%. So 50% go to 15%. So the top 15% on Hinge uh, are women. Getting, yeah. So it's, so it's probably very similar if you were to, you know, ex, I guess okay. extrapolate the data, but it is even similar on a different app or probably more, a, a more popular app. Uh, however, it should be noted that men still retain higher averages for sexual partners, which is interesting. Cause I, I was kind of surprised that might still be the case. Well, it's weird because I mean you got to take into account that twenty-five to forty-nine. So it's not. I mean, later on in the article, you'll see what the under thirty statistics are. But like, obviously, if you leave it on a long enough timeline, the men will probably overtake women in you know average sexual partners. Um, but the women might get a little bit of a leg up in the beginning. But. Um, I mean, obviously, one of the manosphere talking points is that all women are are sluts. But I mean, at the same time, I mean, men sleep around a lot more and that's across all the age categories. But at the same time, you know, like it's still I want to say what, 46 percent of women, you know, have more than four partners. So, I mean, that's that's still a problem for society at large. I mean, we shouldn't ignore that. And that's driving the male number up kind of like the the vice the supplier of vice is driving the demand of vice the promiscuous women are driving the promiscuous men i mean the the female median is still uh 28.6 or is in that 28.6 so five to nine would be somewhere where the median is for uh, the, women. The, 
the men no, the me that math is a little harder because it no, might actually be in the 12 point or it's somewhere in the five five to nine as well no that's a percent of the that's that's a percent so it's right but that's like three versus but 16. the i was doing the median that is the median well it, yeah but in terms of actual body count it'd be somewhere between that for both of them uh and then contrary to the red pills messaging that most women nowadays are massive yeah the uh, double digit body counts you're still pointing out that men uh are actually sleeping around more than yeah. women and that's why and then i just pull up this chart just to reiterate the point that four partners and is it because there's a certain category of women that's just driving this number versus the most do not drive this number like you know australian women or something I mean, it might be more rural city. I mean, that might be the one the primary. Okay, so small town girl. Uh, or you just have 20% of women that are just massive. Uh, permissive. But even the highly experience is actually pretty even between men and women. Uh, no, that's marital satisfaction. Oh, that's marital. This is the marital satisfaction. Yeah, which is half of what it would be with. Okay. Okay, and then this one, this chart is lifetime sexual partners by age. So this is and the, this is for married people. So married adults. So one thing that they found is that basically under forty women have more sexual partners. Married women have more sexual partners. I mean, it's a, it's pretty much neck and neck for, for thirty and thirty nine. But under wait, it's just because that under thirty married women are more likely to cheat than married men. Probably not. I mean, I, I've heard that, that statistic I have that, and then it flips. I have that statistic in there, but I mean, basically, I mean, the study did not actually discuss the 20 under 30 women having more sexual partners because that's around what, six and a half, 6.25 as far as what that number is, it, but they don't discuss it in the, in the report. But, and again, obviously more women under 30 are going to be married than men simply because that's where the average is, but still that 6.25 as an average is very detrimental for society as a whole because it would be suggestive that women are having more sex than men under so, 30. So you say one of the surprising and underreported trends is that female promiscuity relative to male promiscuity for under 30, which we kind of talked about. The notion that women are living it up in their 20s is statistically supported. And it's a shame that the Wheatley Institute did not discuss this finding of married women in their report over time it does appear that married men overtake women in, on body count but the damage caused to society by the average being higher for women or married women under 30 compared to their male counterparts cannot go understated as stati every statistic surrounding delayed marriage and divorce is resultant from this dangerous mindset this average is already primed for negative statistical outcomes within marriage so let me get this straight. What you're saying there is that because women are more promise promiscuous early on, that sets up the system to fail. I mean, and then men will eventually have a higher body count over the long run. I mean, obviously, I would I would think if men stay single long enough, the average man would overtake the woman. But it, this phenomenon is more recent. So I don't think there's enough data out there as far as who is actually studying what under like us adults under 30 what what their behaviors are so I, I don't think there's enough research out there that would show one way or the other but i think that's 
that's a nugget of the research is that the average sexual partners for a married woman is higher than that of a man of a married man under 30. So I think that is, that is a problem for society. And that would be evidence that women are this notion that women are living it up in their twenties is statistically supported because the 25 using 25 to 49 is a much larger range and you're getting multiple generations in there. So I think if you're looking more towards like that Gen Z and maybe late millennial, that's where you need to focus any research on. But I don't, and that's where you might find something because that's that, that would be in line with the 61% of men are single versus the 34% of women. And then he said an interesting study by Date Psychology found that 12% of women, only 12% of women prefer a man with no sexual experience versus 27% of men who disproportionately lean younger and conservative. Um, yeah, because conservative men don't want, you know, ex sexually experienced women to marry. Like, that's pretty unsurprising, actually. Yeah, read the next sentence. Um, studies like this exemplify the ideological divide between men and women, where women at large do not prefer chastity in men versus men who desire it more and desire it in women. There's a hypocrisy where women complain about the double standard, yet the desire men have double standard, yet desire men who, who have slept around. Meanwhile, the men who do not sleep around are disproportionately interested in virgins. So the 15% difference is not some Sigma male Andrew Tate archetype, but likely are a Gen Z conservative undoubtedly the disparity impacts the ability of young men to find virtuous women. And so, I mean, if, if you ever need your talking point of women complaining about the double standard when it comes to sex, just just throw that in, at their face, that most women, and again, that study, I don't okay. know how scientific and it then, is. Uh, same Riza says the Sigma male is a guy who all the ladies want to choose, but uh, chooses not to because he's above all women. So oh, he so could have all the women, but doesn't because, you know, he ain't about that life, I guess. Um, that That's what it means. That Now, see, thank you for reminding me what the Sigma male is. Um, but, it, it might be a self-delusionary state, though. <laughs> so, yeah, if you need the... If you need the talking point, yeah, just say, yeah, but women want... Most women are most women are seeking a man that has experience. So just throw that in their face if you ever need if you ever have a woman in your life complaining about the double standard. They want the double standard, the high value man, like as, as the manosphere calls it. And the manosphere's solution is to be that man. Pretty much, in a nutshell, to be that man that women want, and then you can treat women like crap. It kind of reminds me of that Seinfeld episode where Bob Odenkirk was playing the, you know, the, was a character actor in the 90s. A lot of people from Breaking Bad were in uh, Seinfeld, uh, interestingly enough. And Bob Odenkirk was playing a doctor, or was it a dentist? Doctor. He was a doctor. He was trying to get his medical license and he was dating Elaine and Elaine was helping him get that. And I think they, you know, she stopped having sex with him in order to get that. To help and he turns he turns into a genius because he's not having sex or thinking, and, about and that's sex. that's kind of the that's joke. The joke. Um, 
And then as soon as he becomes a doctor, he realizes that he doesn't have to date Elaine anymore. He can get way hotter women or whatever. And that that's kind of the mentality of the manosphere now. It's like you can you, you don't need the women that are good to you because you increase your value and then you can get any woman, any woman that you want. But ultimately, it's not uh, aspirational because you're not really building a legacy. You're just building a belt with a lot of notches on it. And of course, you know, that's going to send you to hell. Uh, Tim Keller once famously said that homosexuality doesn't get you sent to hell. And heterosexuality doesn't get you sent to heaven, which is not biblical whatsoever, because you get sent to hell for the sins that you commit and are punished in hell according to the sins that you commit. Uh, that, that is what's taught in scripture. So repent while you still can. Uh, that that should be a component in the manosphere, but it's not. Yeah, one thing I, and this is why I kind of It's not combined. even a component in the Jordan Peterson manosphere. Uh, this is why I kind of combine uh, evolution and hypergamy as like one, because again, they view humans as more or less just glorified animals going through their more complicated right. mating rituals and that's kind of how they view it yeah and one I, of the key distinctions between the christ pilled and the red pilled is the latter's evolutionary framework which inherently leads to a hedonistic attitude wherein the goal is to navigate the environment to maximize sexual pleasure as an aside the red pills framework is not to be conflated with evolutionary psychology as it is more epistemological rather than empirical through evolution an evolutionary framework this allows the red pill community to ultimately rationalize their low view of women marriage and family behaviors are treated at, through a lens the lens of pseudo evolutionary mating rituals rather than the imago day or the fall of man marriage is treated as a declining social utility rather than a divine institution Man's sexual desires are to be satisfied rather than controlled or sedated through vice. So, yeah. And then you and talk sedated about... through vice would you know take us back to the beginning with the porno discussion. So and one you... thing Rollo Tomazi will actually do is he condemns porn and, and weed. And so he'll condemn a lot of that stuff. But because he says time, you should be doing it in real life. Pretty much. And... So under these assumptions, women operate to maximize hypergamy. Can you define that? Oh, next sentence. Hypergamy. It is the next sentence, but I want you to kind of flesh it out. So it's basically bit. upgrading your social status. So this is you, you, you marry the guy with more money, more ability to protect and provide. So you're going out, you're trying to upgrade in life. And that's pretty much the gist of hypergamy. You're either dating at your level or above, though preferably above. So the assumption is that women seek hypergamy, but again, I kind of say that hypergamy is more or less innate. Like I would say that's an intrinsic quality uh, in human nature. And well, because we we talked about this last week that women it is reasonable and and moreover one of the things that we kind of said was it was kind of biblical uh, that women would want to seek a man who looks like he's capable of protecting and providing. Uh, Andrew Costa says, uh, give us a warning before we're quoting J.D. Greer, but it's actually Tim Keller that uh, said that first, I believe, not J.D. Greer. Uh, not Tosin Research. 
<laughs> Tim Keller doesn't need, I, I, I mean, this is Tim Keller in a media interview, I, I believe. He was trying to sound ultra smart, but, you know, Tim Keller, you know, like many people in Big Eva are midwits. Uh, let's see. So with that said, you talk about the, uh, so under these assumptions, women operate to maximize hypergamy. Hypergamy is a sign defined. Okay. So we already uh, said that part. So regarding hypergamy, the red pill community asserts that women are generally looking to upgrade or upgrade men or transfer from alphas to settle with betas. So why would they, how's that an upgrade? How's the alpha, alpha, uh, to beta and upgrade for women. Um, basically you toy around with the beta and then you eventually need to settle or you toy around with the alpha and then you eventually just settle with the beta. So after, you know, you get a, it's basically you put a bunch of miles on the odometer and then you decide, oh crap, I need to settle before I hit the wall. And that's where the beta comes in. That's pretty much their, the red pill, uh, mindset. They might also call it like dual mating. I think they might call it though. Again, I've, I kind of reject the notion that hypergamy is driving the problem because I mean, you can go back to ancient times and hypergamy is a thing with dowries and, you know, marital commitments. So the idea of someone trying to marry at or above their social class, I mean, that's, that's Jane Austen's, uh, you know, pride and prejudice. That's the entire, that's, you know, the pride, that's the right, premise. Because the, uh, you're, you're, the Bennett family, right? Yes was in the minor gentry and they were trying to marry in the major gentry. Yes. They're trying to upgrade their daughter's outlook. I mean, I, and again, I mean, if you go up to the sentence, I, I kind of talk about dating. See, we apps. can, we can reference things other than the wire and Sopranos here too. We can reference, yes. uh, but, Jane I, Austen. but I think basically you have women have, I mean, you basically took off the restraints for sin, which, you know, getting pregnant is a restraint against sin. So this statement about alphas, you know, the, the women are with alphas and they're settling for betas after, you know, they toyed around or whatever, as you put it, kind of reminds me of the whole Jezebel complex where women, you know, the Jezebel is going to want to find her Ahab. The Ahab is the beta. Ahab is a beta male in scripture. And Jezebel is the domineering sexual uh, woman. So... She dominates the Ahab. I, I, I see it more as a Jezebel complex, uh, but not just strictly hy hypergamy. Uh, and this is where I bring up the fact that like women under 30 cheat a little bit more than men, but it's like a 1% difference. Okay. So yeah, like they got to be going up though. So you say, well, there might be antidotes. The general trend is that women are more prone to infidelity than Men are more prone to infidelity than women. The only age demographic where women are more prone to cheat is married women under 30, which is a whopping 1% difference. So this theory lacks statistical support. Married men over, over 50 are far likelier to cheat than women at rates above 20% while women retain re remain in the teens. And yeah, I mean, I, I wonder under why. 30, under um, 30, it's like 11% versus 10%. So women have 1% difference. Married men in their 20s are far more likely to cheat then. And that's so the infidelity comes way later. Yet there is almost an assumption that alpha males or high value men are expected to cheat or perhaps are entitled to. Kevin Samuels called this 
a privilege to cheat, not because they should, but because high value men has that option. Even Pearl can be seen stating that high value men bring high value problems, which is a warning to any woman who would marry a high value man. It is unlikely she would hold the standard that infidelity should be expected when married to a so to a so-called high-value woman. Logically, wealthy, powerful men have no shortage of women who might throw themselves at them. The temptation for sexual sin, namely that of adultery and fornication, are stronger for these so-called high-value men. Many of the underlying assumptions within the red pill community ultimately treat mankind as a glorified animal, yet Ironically, they employ their either inconsistent standards or outright untrue assumptions towards the behaviors of men and women. So and that's, now you, so they uh, do a lot of evolutionary framework, and that's one thing you'll see is very common in the manosphere. So we got a couple more paragraphs here. We got the iron rules of Tamazi. Rather than seek to change the la landscape or elevate men, Rolo Tomasi instead offers his descriptive suggestions, which are called his nine iron rules. He would contend that he is not prescriptive, but only descriptive. So people are allowed to disagree. Regardless, the rules are presented to promote promiscuity amongst men to combat the landscape to maximize sexual gratification. They are not fix, uh, fixated towards family formation or helpful uh, or helping a man find a wife, which would actually be following the footsteps of Rolo, in, in, the footsteps of Rolo, but instead helping men pick up loose women under the assumption that everyone is promiscuous. So, like you said, Rolo's living a certain kind of life that he's not pimping on his audience. Pretty but much. Which you see that a lot in Hollywood, where these liberals, often kinds of a you know certain demographic. Um, they don't get divorced. They, they live very traditional marriages, very traditional uh, family structure. But the values that they peddle are antithetical to the way they personally live. They peddle the degeneracy, but they live uh, more conservatively. Uh, and that's what you see out of a lot of rich liberals. They're not all degenerates. But the poor liberals certainly are. That, that's just undeniable. Um, so the fir his first ba rule is basic. Frame is everything. Always be aware of subconscious balance of whose frame in which you are operating. Always control the frame, but resist giving the impression that you are. So this is like controlling the dynamics. I mean, that's pretty not much appearing as such. Yeah. I mean, I again, I just thought this was basic as far as how people interact and you know, this is, again, whether for politics or relationships, framing is the key. And I'm thinking of, you know, maybe I listened to a lot of Aaron McIntyre where he talks about the importance of framing in political discourse. So uh, I, mean, I am very excited same. to watch Aaron McIntyre on uh, John Harris's channel. Very excited for that. So I've just, yet to do that, though. But It's I, the I, same I, concept, just with dating. And his uh, last rule, which I don't include rule number nine, but that's don't self-deprecate in front of a woman. So if you need a... You know, don't beat uh, George Costanza crying. Like, you know, don't, you know, self-deprecate. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. Yeah. Like, but that's, I mean, to me, that's the same thing as frame as everything. It's just you separated it out into a different rule. But 
And then you say rule three is most questionable. Any woman who makes makes you wait for sex or by her actions implies she is making you wait for sex. The sex is never worth the wait. Now, keep in mind, uh, when uh, Rallo and Ruslan were doing their debate on the marriage, they did discuss these rules. And, uh, and Ruslan I, did. Ruslan's married, right? Yes. He and did take issue with this rule as well. If, if you're married, I don't see how you can't take issue with this rule, especially if you wait to get married before having sex. You're going to see this rule and say this is complete crap. Yeah, and he would, again, he tries to appeal to the principle of desirability that the rule measures the desire. So, But it's, again, you know, it's a very sexual rule. You can't necessarily, like, I don't think you can pigeonhole your way out of the promotion of promiscuity that the rules and again rule number two i think is uh, never under penalty of death reveal your sexual history to your woman that's i think that was rule number two so i left that out of the article um there's one about don't live with a woman unless you're about to be married so again we're encouraging cohabitation which is again a huge factor in divorce like you're three times more likely to get divorced if you cohabitate before getting married. Like that's statistically, I, I believe it's three times. Um, uh, red pill types might assert that a woman would have a different set of rules for an alpha versus a beta, but any woman that gives it away so easily is not a virtuous woman, regardless of the man. Even if this is about desirability, the sexual emphasis of the statement cannot be ignored. And, and that's pretty much what the gist of the statement is that, you know, she should want to, the woman should want to uh, desire to have the husband, but, and there, and again, the red pill community says, Oh, the women have different rules for alphas than betas. You know, if Andrew Tate is getting these women in bed and then he's, you know, in, you know like he's lover boying them. Yeah, he's lover boying them. He's wooing them. Like the, Basically, they would assert that women would treat Andrew Tate differently than they would the average Joe. So the mindset behind these rules is not designed for marriage, but navigating hookup culture. Therein lies the contradiction in the manosphere. Because there is a view that of women as object of sexual gratification combined with a low view of marriage, its promotion of fornication is inevitable, which then creates a feedback loop of adding to the body counts of women, furthering the sexual immorality. Even Andrew Tate, who has a somewhat positive message about masculinity, is contradicted by his lifestyle of promiscuity and his former webcam business that profited off of the weak simp culture he critiques. No amount of charm or well-articulated talking points erases the fact that he is the world's most fam infamous pimp. Yeah, again, I'm trying, and he calls himself a pimp because it's a, uh, what was that, positive influencing, influencing motivational person, pimp? Inspirational. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me, since we have a lot of pop culture references tonight, it reminds me of that SpongeBob training video where it's like, poop, people order our patties. And it's like at a restaurant training video. And, and they're using poop as a acronym. It, it kind of reminds me of that. Uh, was this? And gents, you're discussing red pill with a broad brush. Red pill in general is a metaphor from the matrix, uh, meaning that you can, you see the world 
as what it is. Yeah, and that's and, I'll, I'll and I do say that it's in the context yeah, of dating. I think you are discussing a segment of Red Pill, Rollo, etc., which would should be called PUA, Pickup Artist Community. And I think to some degree that is fair criticism, but I, I guess mean, Red just... Pill has so many uses. I mean, again, I do open up with that in the intro that you know they call themselves the Red Pill. Yeah, so we're just kind of using terms that they themselves use and uh have brought into i mean keep in mind in 2017 the red pill community kind of meant something different it talked about it was basically grifters like candace owens who were complete liberals all of a sudden calling themselves conservative and red pilled so the popular usage of red pill has you know shifted over the years no i mean it's co-opted by a bunch of groups because of the matrix yes because the matrix is a popular strangely you could call it a right-wing movie, but it's also some people also say it's a very Gnostic movie. It's kind of interesting the debate, the theology at play there, because uh, to some degree they rip off the Bible. You know, they just kind of rip it off. But then the creators go and you know transgender themselves because get be. Do you know why? Because watching porn. That one of the creators of the Matrix came out and said. You know, basically said that the the obvious fact out loud that you know he was watching this and then he got into it. Uh, he became the uh, what he was watching, I guess. So, you know, this type of you know red pill community is not actually going to uh, decrease this type of you know it's not going to decrease what they don't want to see in the world. It might you know, give you your fill, but it's going to increase what you don't want to see in the world, in the world. It's not the whole be the change that you want to see in the world type of mindset. So uh, this is your conclusion. Uh, the growing societal decay is met with pervasive sexual sin. While the state of modern women is abysmal, the red-pilled manosphere ultimately falls short of offering a solution that yields tangible benefits for both men and women the former of which they purportedly seek to help because this segment of men is enlarging is an enlarging share of our population there is no shortage of grifters that will entertain the disaffected masses like the unmarried pearly things or the monogamously married rollo tamazi the church must be a the beacon of light amidst nihilistic darkness the church should be the place where relationships both are formed and thrive. There is a great emphasis for married couples that is often absent towards those who are single. Can you explain that for a second? The get, get um, like this would be like the church only focuses on married couples. They don't necessarily focus on those that are single and helping them out. And they'll just say, oh, the gift of singleness. So that's yeah. kind of. The... Okay. So whereas the mantra that singleness is a gift is likened to the apostle Paul, who is unmarried, which does not mean he never was married. I this took, is more keep likely. In mind, I, keep in mind, I took that from uh, MacArthur's commentary. This is more that... likely to be the exception rather than normative. So Paul could have been a widower, technically, according to the Greek. And, that's... and it's also worth noting that. A lot of what he's writing is about the impending doom for Jews in Jerusalem. So when he talks about, you know, me not being married and that possibly being a good thing, it's also because he knows what's going to happen. 
Uh, I think he's keenly aware of what's going to happen. So churches should fixate towards promoting and fostering relationships, which lead to marriage. Meanwhile, marriage and family should be promoted to young women within the church that they should not be like the worldly women, just as men should not be as the worldly men. But if the church does not answer the challenge, this challenge, more young men will be turned over to the red-pilled manosphere types who claim to offer a solution to their legitimate struggles. These struggles, left unmitigated, give way to pornography, despair, and social societal and further societal strife. Barring correction, the masculinity crisis in the West will exacerbate the troubling circumstances, ultimately to be deserved. Uh, to the deserved condemnation of entire societies. In the end, America, if America is to be revived, then it will be that because churches developed masculine men who forged strong families which raised their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, not because the perfect the perfect political candidate was elected. That's how you conclude. Uh, again, uh, strong writing. Uh, let's catch up with some chat. Uh, let me check the rumble sphere. I don't see anything on the rumble sphere. Uh, so, so nothing on rumble. Uh, and then we have, uh, Sebastian says standards are too low for most churches, uh, to care about, uh, dudes banging a bunch of chicks and being degen. They're more concerned with dudes being homo or trans walking in. Uh, unless they already have gay um, or trans pastors. So I guess, is are you saying that... I mean, the churches care more about this issue. They, than they care about. more about not offending these people walking in than they do about not offending uh, or not confronting, you know, the degenerates that are fornicating. Is that kind of what you're saying? Uh, and then W.T. Foxtrot, 2003... Uh, some of the red pill content creators have advocated talk, taking the state out of marriage, out of the marriage business because no fault divorce is in effect male fault divorce. So males are opting out of marriage. And I again, get, you, you can go first on this. I mean, I, I get it. Like there's a sentiment that the reason uh, men aren't seeking marriage is because, you know, they're basically, instead of like being unemployed, they're basically opting out of labor force participation. They're using, to use more of an economic metaphor, they're just not even in the market for marriage. And I, I, I might question how true that is because I think a lot of men are seeking. It's just, you know, they're disaffected because they're not finding. Or a lot of these women are, you know, uh, you know, undesirable, whether, you know, for aesthetic reasons, whether for, the fact, I mean, the fact that liberals are more or women are more liberal by a percentage of like 15% than their male counterparts under 30. I mean, that's that's a that's going to impact the ability of relationships to form. I mean, simply the fact that they're more liberal. I mean, and that's becoming more of a deal breaker in the dating market these days. Um, I, I wanted to comment on this because taking the government out of marriage isn't. I don't think that's a biblical solution whatsoever. First of all, even if you want to, you know, be in the libertarian fantasy world, uh, you got to recognize the order of operations when it comes to reducing the size of government. You got to get rid of the income tax and basically every federal benefit, welfare benefit that's based on FPL percentage or 
federal poverty line percentage, so FPL. So you have to get rid of every single program that's related to FPL. And then you can get rid of the institution of marriage because the institution of marriage is uh, how the government defines FPL and household poverty. So I don't think that's realistic. The other thing is it's the government's duty to recognize marriage. I think that's their duty. Like the government doesn't have the authority on marriage because God gave that to the family. So there's the, the sphere of sovereignty and the sphere of families who marriage belongs to. It doesn't belong to the church and it doesn't belong to the government. It belongs to the family. Uh, so that much I don't think is the uh, solution. But I do think that no at-fault divorce should become the norm. That that should be what's reinstated nationwide and get rid of no-fault divorce. Uh, Candace Owens, a grifter. I mean, in 2017, she was just saying what white people were saying before her. But she was a black woman, so she said what white guys were saying and got a lot of views. Um, but more of a history lesson, look up... So Candace Owens' social autopsy. She became famous on the right because of this social autopsy. And she got in bed with the Gamergate chicks. And she had a falling out with them and then used the people on the right wing who comforted her during her falling out with the Gamergate chicks over social autopsy to build her audience and brand. So that's the origin story of Candace Owens. Uh, and Sebastian follows up, uh, with the question. I just feel like they don't focus on promoting marriage or not being promiscuous because standards are so low. So yeah. And I think you're, you're right because it's so normative that, you know, people in the church are fornicating. It's so normative that they don't address it because that would offend people. Well, I mean, I would think, and again, this would be probably a global problem as we've lost a sense that marriage procreation child rearing these are all duties as well as things you do like we don't get the sense that oh have having children like you know how many pastors would condemn in a married couple that said we don't want kids ever and let's assume that they're yeah, perfectly I capable what, i think that's unmoral immoral and unbiblical to be a dink yeah i mean i would yeah i would go as far as to say it's it's sinful i mean again the idea that procreation is a is a moral duty both to the family and to god because again the first thing be fruitful multiply and then you can look throughout scripture where where i mean judah and tamar even though there's more of a christological implication there that you know the idea that if you're basically trying to sabotage your ability to procreate that's a sin which you know two two of uh, judah's sons died learning that lesson Right, uh, because Onan had to do a pullout game. That's why he got smited or smote because he did that. He tried to mess with the institution of marriage. And then, and then, if you go to Deuteronomy twenty, I believe that's where you get the the laws that a, a man who just married his wife is allowed to basically take a season off from war. So this is the idea that yes, you can enjoy the first fruits. Yes, you can enjoy the first fruits. The idea that the marriage is more important than his individual duty to the army or to the military. To his nation. Yes. So it is a duty to your community as well as. All right. Uh, I'll read these comments and finish up. 
Uh, the U.S. government only got involved uh, into the marriage business to perform race mixing. I don't really know if that's true. I mean, the Lover case in Virginia was, what, 1969? But it, I don't know enough about that, so can't really comment on that. But I'm going to read it because I'm not afraid to. Uh, before, Sebastian says, before no-fault divorce, it, it made way more sense. Um, but it's such a risk for a guy to get married now. And that's what they want. That's part of this, the agenda. I think this was, I think this was Andrew Tate in the Tucker interview where he talks like, you know, before, if you're in the matrix, cause again, it's a matrix metaphor that, you know, if you go back to the fifties, if you were plugged in, you know, you got a wife, you got a car, you got a house, you know, your two car house, you could have a life in the suburbs, the cookie cutter neighborhood, the American dream, all that lovely now stuff. Now inflation's like doubled. Well, now you get none of that. Oh, stuff. okay. Sorry. Okay, WT Fox said to prevent race mixing. Okay, that's a lot different than what you said. <laughs> that's a lot different than what you said. Okay. So okay. basically, you know, if, before, if you go back, again, going back to the 50s, you could actually have the American dream by being plugged in, so to speak. Now it's, you get none of those things. You don't get the, you can't find a wife. You know, cars are vastly more expensive. Real estate is virtually TVs unaffordable. are cheaper though. Yeah, TVs, TVs have gone down. <laughs> so real estate's virtually unaffordable. Yeah. And so, you know, the boomer generation, they had uh high interest rates, but they had low you so know the, housing costs. The principal as a percentage. We have high pr principal, high housing costs, and high interest now. So we have the worst of both worlds. So, and I think the boomers had it better because, you know, yes, it's usury, but it's still super affordable speaking, at the end of the day. Speaking of usury, good time to plug the NAM article. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm willing to make the argument that, you know, church planning organizations charging interest to churches is, in fact, sinful. So check that out. Yeah, I think Jesus has something to say, you know, don't lend to a brother, but give freely. So, uh, and then uh, WTF. Uh, a WT Foxtrot 2023. Uh, most of the females in the manospheres are grifters because they are all just parroting male talking points. And that's Pearl Davis to a T. Yeah. I mean, there might be some exceptions, but they're probably wouldn't, they probably might not identify as manosphere. All right. Well, that was the last of the comments. I do just want to say uh, support Evangelical Dark Web at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. This is that Patreon-like system. We built our own Patreon because Patreon censors. Uh, and you get more access to more content. Uh, I, I do do some exclusive content for the uh, subscribers and supporters at evangelicaldarkweb.org. And we also have an upcoming book uh, that's going to be called Winning Not Winsome. 10 commandments for spiritual warfare. So look forward to that coming out. I am the biggest delay on doing that because I am not good at this author stuff. That's post uh, production. If you know what I'm saying, I'm not good at that stuff. Uh, I, I'm the type of guy that does a project, completes a project and then moves on to the next project. But that's not how this process works. You have to actually keep going back to the project that you think you've finished. So with that said, um, thanks everybody for watching. Don't forget to hit the like button on your way out and have a blessed day. And if you listened this long and haven't subscribed yet, shame on you. You should subscribe. Uh, just kidding. Um, um, and have a blessed day and we will catch you on the next one.